the past. It used to be a newspaper. The Bob Podcast. Not outclassed. Ones on mass. Getting on my leader right up to the end of the game. The Bob Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Buff Podcast. My name's Mark Isles and I'm the Chief Football Writer of the Bolton News. This is the podcast that turned down an international call-up to bring you your weekly dose of Bolton Wanderers headlines. And don't you forget it. Not on the show this week. Danny Cowley dares Wanderers to play with 10 men against Lincoln. Accrington Chairman Andy Holt admits he quite likes I follow, really. Gerald Sid turns up at Harry Maguire's house with a six-pack and a roast chicken. And the state of the pound means that in real terms, Bolton now paid 85 million quid for Johan Almander. The real news headlines are coming up soon, I promise. But first, we're all looking to save money at the moment. And you can save £13.88 on a digital subscription to the Bolton News by signing up for a whole year. It's £2 for your first two months. See if you like it. And it's £46 after that, compared to £4.99 if you pay monthly. For that, you get access to the Bolton News app, a utopia of quick-loading stories uh, with barely an ad in sight. Most importantly, you get to read every single word of every single story we do on Bolton Wanderers, and there is loads coming up. Go to theboltonnews.co.uk backslash subscribe and help support local journalism. Okay, it's time to introduce my podcast co-host and a man who this morning has been helping Quasi Quarteng with his maths homework. It's Mr. Henry Hewitt. Henry, how are you doing? I'm very good, thank you. And if I've got anything to do with it, we're in for an even bleaker winter. So uh, apologies. Henry's fixed the pound. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. It's sorted now. You can go to America. I just uh, oh god. I, I, no, we'll, this isn't this isn't an economics program. This isn't a political program. Let's just move on. International break. Foot, let's talk football. Let's talk about grown men kicking a sphere around um, and pretend it's important. Um, international break is over. Finally, did you enjoy your international break, Henry? Um, yeah, you say it as if I'm a footballer. Yeah, it was quite relaxing, actually. You know, <laughs> uh, but um, no, it was. Uh, you know what was really nice? I've got to say, uh, I watched both Northern Ireland games, and uh, it was nice watching players we've got. I know a lot of people watching uh, England under twenty ones the other day as well mm. uh, with James Trafford. I know Sierra Leone's YouTube stats go up when back is playing. So. Uh, so, yeah, it's really nice being able to watch an international game that you can actually root for a player. And I thought Dion Charles in the game against Kosovo last weekend, I thought he did very well. Yeah, absolutely. The two Northern Irish lads, Connor and, uh, and Dion, um, did did well. Yeah, uh, I, I know Northern Ireland are in a bit of a transitional phase at the minute, so the results aren't exactly consistent. But I tell you what, they kept me in copy. They love talking to those two over there. It's fantastic. So, uh, yeah, they, they filled the paper. I, I do miss internationals, um, Wanderers, because on an international break, you, you can get a little a different taste of them, you know, a different, a different side of the Wanderers players when they go away and speak in their native country or, you know, about, about different things, about international football, a different group of teammates. And it was quite, quite refreshing to hear Dion and, uh, and, and Connor Bradley, I thought, over in, over in Ireland. Um, I'd be interested to see whether Backer gets on the old press circuit in Sierra Leone. That'd be interesting. I'd be interested to see where, where they where they go with that one and see what his thoughts are. But uh, yeah, they're all back on Friday. So by the time this podcast is out, the lads should be back en masse. Um, but uh, i tell you what did crop up and what interested me, I wanted to ask you. Um, Danny uh, Cowley, the, the Paul, uh, Portsmouth boss, suggested that, that Bolton... Kind of, they wanted to play the game against Bolton, but it was Bolton that said, "Oh, we don't, we don't really want to." Surely, he's talking nonsense. I mean, why on earth would Wanderers play on without half their squad? I know. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, J- James Shafford. We don't. We've, we've seen so far this season. We don't need James Shafford, do we? Uh, Connor Bradley. He's only one of our top goal scorers. Dion Charles is the other one. So. Uh, 
Yeah, no, it's we could have got by. Uh, we could just stick Conor Carty and he would have uh, he'd have scored a hat trick anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We would have had some more uh, more, more youngest ever uh, stats to, uh, to to play with as well. But uh, no, it was, what, I thought it was a, a really silly thing to start point scoring on, especially as Portsmouth were flagging this up as a game that was going to get moved from absolutely miles out, like. Uh, Month before, easily, we were we were kind of told that this was going to be the case that both teams are expecting to have international call ups. Ergo, don't make any travel plans, don't book hotels, all that kind of thing. Um, and they were putting out statements just as much as Bolton. So um, yes, strange bit of point scoring from Mister Cowley adds a bit of spice, maybe to uh, uh, to, to whenever that game gets uh, reorganised. I think it'll be November personally. Did you see much of uh, of the lads other than the Irish lads on on international break? No, I didn't. I didn't watch the England game the other day with Trafford. Um, they won, so that's a good thing. And I, I'm, to be honest, I've not seen the goals. But if there was anything, if there was a mistake that he did, I'm sure I would have heard about it. So no, a win and uh, backer. I mean, you, what do you expect from Sierra Leone? So I don't think you can impact them that much so uh, as long as there's no injuries that's the main thing exactly well Connor uh, Bradley apparently has got a little bit of poorliness he was a little bit poorly the other night so fingers crossed he comes back he's okay uh, get an Irish breakfast down and then get back over this uh, this way and start yeah. uh, playing like he was when he went away but I know Ian Everett was there at Bramall Lane to watch James Trafford um, I asked him about how he went on and he said, yeah, he was all right. <laughs> so, <not> fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> Hard man to please. Uh, but then again, he did. Uh, we have seen him pictured in the stand. He was sat with uh, with George Santos, uh, a, a midfielder of some repute, ex-Tranmere. Um, I think he played with him at QPR. And also Ian Abrams as well, Moose from TalkSport, managed to uh, to corner him. And apparently now they're best friends. Oh, right. Well, very good. I'll, uh, I'll look forward to hearing him more on TalkSport then. Yeah, yeah. My, you don't want to hear my my views on the moose. Not uh, not not one of my favourite journalists in the world. Let's put it that way. Um, but are we ready? Are we ready now for what is a massive, massive October? Eight games. I can't remember the last time Bolton played eight games in a month. No, neither can I. And we've not even in the playoff years. <laughs> years we didn't no. play eight in a month. But um, no, it's uh, it's busy time, and uh, I mean we've seen before, haven't we, with Bolton that when we are playing Saturday, Tuesday, we can get a run together. It just goes, keeps on going, and you know we've we got through September. I know Ian Everett wanted to be in the top ten. We're in the top six, so that's positive. And now there's a, a different kind of pressure because people are thinking that we can go and um, you know, we, especially with some of the games that we're playing against teams that aren't necessarily playing that well. I think Forest Green comes to mind. Burton, uh, Oxford have, have struggled so far this season. So, uh, so yeah, there is a lot of pressure to keep uh, definitely remain in the top six, but maybe push on to the um, to the top two because I think Ipswich play Portsmouth this weekend. So, yeah, yeah. if we win against Lincoln, we'll go within touching distance of them, and and them two have apparently been the best two teams in the league this season and the best two starts. So, if we can get a point off one of them, then that'll be really good. Do you know, as you were talking there, I reached over to grab uh, the Simon Marlon Bible to have a flick through to see if I could see any other times that Bolton have played eight games in a month. And I, I turned to the first year and I'm thinking, what am I doing? As if I'm going to be able to give a proper answer by the time Henry finishes talking, unless he goes on for about half an hour about the state of October. Um, I can tell you that in 2010-11, Bolton did not play eight games in a month. That's all. That's as far as I got, really. Um, yeah. I, I will have a look. It, it does seem especially busy. I know one of the games is in the the old Papa John's against Leeds under 21, so you might well say it's seven and a half games. But I, I, the thing is, with footballers, and, and it's a bit of a cliche, I suppose, they do prefer to play than to train. The only, the only thing it sometimes prevents managers from doing is changing the game plan a little bit and having time on the training pitch to be able to, to change things. Now, the way I see it at the minute is, is the game plan's working quite well. And in fact, it does look like they've got a couple of different ways they can play. So, provided that carries on, provided you know that the plan continues to work for Bolton, then this month could be a profitable one. And you look at the the teams coming up. There's definitely you don't want to get you don't want to get excited. And you don't want to get you know kind of big headed about it. But genuinely, you expect Bolton to beat some of the teams that they've got coming up. Yeah, definitely. I think um, you know we owe we owe Burton a win for a start. I think Burton. Burton and Sutton are the only two teams who've not beaten in the Football League. 
been that Accrington? Uh, yes, we beat them last at home last year, didn't we? Uh, well, um, shows what I know, folks. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, so we owe them a win. Um, you know, and going to, you know, going to these smaller grounds we've, we've discussed before. Um, you know, where we've got Accrington uh, coming up, um, Forest Green. So, uh, mm. so yes, yeah, uh, there there are definitely winnable games starting on Saturday against Lincoln. The Lincoln are doing well. They've just put six past Bristol Rovers, but you'd think we should be okay with that one. Um, and yeah, it's just, I, the, I think it's just little steps, step by step. But if we can keep on winning, then um, it keeps us in touch with the top two, which, uh, you know, I know a lot of people were, were hopeful of this season, getting excited. But I think the majority of people are saying playoffs is probably where we are. But if you can get a gap between you and seventh, then uh, it makes it easier. Yeah, we need to keep the old HMS in dock, you know, under the, under the radar. Yeah. Don't let's let's not set sail just yet. Let's wait till after Christmas to set sail, um, and then we can enjoy the uh, the better weather. But uh, yeah, interesting. Right, okay. I suppose it's time to move on to the next section of the podcast. Then, so yeah, go on, go on, shoot, go on. It's headlines, freshly picked from the Bolton News Tree uh, by our man from Del Monte. Henry, take it away. <laughs> I'm just going to reach right up here and get this. Ah, yes, this is uh, Reebok. Uh, a lot of people getting excited. We discussed this on the last episode, I think. They're getting back in football. Are they sponsoring or uh, providing the kits for Panama? Yeah, yeah. Um, and... Uh, yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of people getting excited because Bolton have kind of said, "Well, if Reebok come in, we wouldn't say no." So, is this all a, a pie in the sky dream, or could it actually happen? I mean, personally, I don't think it will. I'll, I'll say that right here, right now. I don't think it will uh, because I, I think if Reebok were to come in, they're a sportswear manufacturer, and and it would make eminent sense for them to have the kit contract. Now, the kit contract is owned by Macron for another few years yet, so. I, I don't think it would happen. However, uh, you can't say that Wanderers haven't given them ample opportunity. <laughs> I think Reebok have had more press in Bolton over the last couple of days than they have done in the, the previous sort of seven or eight years since they uh, buggered off down the road. Um, you know, it, I, I don't think it will happen. I would love to. And, you know, obviously it would solve a, a little problem that Bolton have in them as much as everybody refers to it as the Reebok Stadium still. You know, it, it even looks like the Reebok Stadium. You know, there's something strictly about the shape of the stadium. I was looking at the, the Reebok logo the other day and just thinking, it even looks like the stadium. It's, it was kind of built that way. It's just all synonymous with, with one brand. Um, and, and to me, I, I feel like that's a little bit of an obstruction for anybody that comes in. However, it was a point that Neil Hart made, and it, and it is a fair one. It, there's always been a name above the door at Bolton. There's always been a company associated, whether it was Reebok, whether it was Macron, whether it was you know University of Bolton. Uh, so th the idea of having a sponsored stadium isn't foreign to Bolton. So eventually, you know, if you if you if you get a long enough term, it will it will become that. You know, we all call it the the MEN Arena, and I don't know that I'm allowed to mention them on this podcast, but the MEN Arena. Yeah. But it, it started off as Nine X, and nobody ever remembers Nine X anymore uh, because obviously they had that that. Uh, contract for such a long time um now if you if you've got a traditional ground like st james park when they tried to put sports direct on that i mean there was a right stink or if you've got turf more for example or i'm trying to think of another example uh, nearby uh there's, there's lots and lots of grounds that have only ever been known as a particular uh you know bloomfield road for example uh you know mm. they've been known as their address what their traditional name if you then try and attach a sponsor to them it feels foreign at least with bolton you've got a ground there that's, that's pretty much a clean slate for somebody to come in and say hey this is the way you want to do it i think anybody coming in has got to appreciate that there's a legacy there with reebok but the way they're talking you know it's it's a real opportunity for somebody yeah you're right and uh, i think um you know, we've discussed before on, on appropriate names. I think the Uniball, it was, you know, it's, I don't think it's ever stuck the University of Bolton Stadium. Um, I really don't. I think the Macron was kind of a nice, 
it was a nice uh, progression from the Reebok, but the Uniball for me is, is you know, I think that's why people have carried on calling it the Reebok. So ideally you'd want the something, but mm. um, I think there's there's lots of dynamics that go into it. It's not going to be a betting company, we know that. They don't really want to touch the crypto world either. So it's you're narrowing yourself down there. Um, but, you know, I, I guess you just want it to be something that's, I don't. I don't want to say not embarrassing because is it embarrassing if uh, whoever's throwing most money at it? You know, is it embarrassing if you've got good players on the pitch? What the stadium's called? But if you ask me, would I like the service my car stadium? I probably wouldn't. No, I don't. I don't think that trips off the tongue particularly well, does it? I mean, we all we all kind of endured the jokes over home bargains being on the front of the shirts. Now we know, obviously, as as Bolton fans and people associated with the club that that deal was done because it was needed at the time and it was it, you know home bargains were uh, kind of associated with Michael James and, and uh, came in to help at that point in time when Bolton really really needed it I think they'll always appreciate it I think with the university as well that that deal was right at the time I think unfortunately it was done by the previous re- previous regime so I can't give the current one any credit on it but I think at the time, Bolton's stock was not particularly high, and so having something that kind of knit it into the town was was probably a good move. And it's something that I think the the uh, football ventures, since they came in, they've leaned into that and the whole one Bolton thing, of course. Um, so, I mean, ideally, I think I think you do want that kind of local edge to it, as Reebok had, and you want the multinational kind of the 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 name that trips off the tongue, something that's a little cool. Um, whether you get all that, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I, I I wouldn't want, you know, a Cheltenham Town situation where you've got like Johnny Rock's Stadium or, you know, World of Suzuki's or any any of that nonsense. It just it would be nice to have. And I think Bolton are going in the right direction to be able to attract a, a company of some decent size and of, you know, a little bit fashionable. Yeah, and this leads us on to the next uh, headline, which is about that uh, Neil Hart. You've spoke to him this week, and he says he wants to more than double the sponsorship mm. revenue, and and part of that would also be doing the um, the shirt sponsor as well. So, um, I mean, how we we there's some clubs you look at Arsenal and you look at Man City have obviously got Etihad and, and the Emirates. Um, you know, we did have it with Reebok. Is there a do you think is there a benefit of having everything under one sort of uh, sponsor, or, or could actually the club make more money by having two different sponsors doing it? Um, well, that's a that's a good point. I, I don't know whether or not you would you would cut a deal. I think probably the ideal would be that you'd, you'd get one altogether because there'd be all sorts of kind of spin-offs of, of advertising that you could do if you had a another Reebok, if you will. Um, whether or not you get more money over overall than splitting it up, you, you, maybe you do. Maybe you do. Um, I, I think the way that the way that it's looking, and, and this is the exciting thing for Bolton from this deal's point of view, is that home bargains came in as we mentioned there at a, a time sponsoring the front of the shirt where Bolton were really on the haunches. They needed somebody. Didn't even have a sponsor at the start of that season, of course. So that deal was done quite quickly and quite cheaply all things considered. Um, The second sponsor, Service My Car, have come in. They've doubled, apparently, the revenue that we got from uh, Home Bargains. And this one, we're looking, again, to to more than double that. Um, Whether that is contingent on championship football, for example, I mean, you'd think that you would charge more of a premium as a championship club than you would do as a, a League One club. Maybe that is the case. But... They're, they're heading that direction. I think they are they are open to those sort of markets now, and the whole place is feeling better. I, I do generally think with the the you know the hotel doing all right and the uh, the club doing all right, the fan zones back, everything is is kind of there for somebody to really get a decent deal here. Um, which I mean, we've all said about if Bolton were to get into the championship, they're going to need every penny they can possibly get their hands on because that's going to be a, a very expensive exercise. And, and getting that commercial side of things right is is really, really important. I know they, they're trying to rejig everything 
on that side commercially all the all the merchandise all the shop stuff is has improved a lot i think over the last 12 months and it and they're sort of looking to to beef that up again i know hospitality is another side they're really trying to get a grip on and modernize that as well so they are trying to get the whole stadium the whole club working better as a business at the minute and they're gonna need it and they're gonna need it yeah they definitely are and um you know, I think it brings. Uh, to be fair, the stadium is. You know, I, I as you know, I uh, work on the Hard Truth with Darren McAnthony, and they were talking on the last episode about London Road being a, a. They didn't use these words, but a dump. You know, so if you have got a, a stadium that looks like Bolton's, you, it's so much easier to sell for hospitality for. Um, you know these events for mm. to make it this year-round uh, sort of arena. Uh, which a company can go right. Well, we could, we're happy to jump on board and sponsor that and and be a part of it. Whereas if you've got a a stadium like London Road, which remember is in this the same, we're in the same league as the, these teams. You look at Oakwell as well; is similar. It's it's very difficult for them to do it. So Bolton already have a one up. So I think if they then start, um, you know, just making the uh, the hospitality, the even the hotel as well, that's a part of it is. You know, you make it into, you just give it a, a bit of a clean and tidy and, and a new paint, you know, a new, you know, paint it and all of this stuff that yeah. they are doing, it makes it easier to sell. So, um, yeah, hopefully it will all work out. Hopefully we sit here next season doing the podcast and we can say uh, the something or be, be proud of the name um, that they, they eventually come out with and, uh, and are on the shirts as well. Uh, just a point you said there about the... Um, uh, the fan zone. The club have announced this week about the World Cup fan park. Apparently, mm. tickets are doing well. Um, it's a fiver. There are some people naturally with anything Bolton do are, are, are saying it shouldn't be a fiver. Uh, what do of course, you think? there are. There's a contrary folk other. Um, yeah, I, I, I have to say when when they announced it, I thought, oh, that's actually quite a good idea. I, I quite fancy the idea of going down there and watching an England game myself, uh, whether it be in the in the fan zone outside or whether or not it uh, it be in the hotel. It'd be quite good to uh, to see that in action and say I'd, I'd done that um, when. A few people have raised the the issue of the fiver entry. I can understand it because obviously it's free to get into the fan zone with a match ticket on a match day or into the hotel and such like. Uh, I think we're talking about the the fee covering staffing, uh, basically. I don't think it's it's much of a money making exercise. I think I put the question to to Neil Hart and he kind of shrugged and said, "Look, we need to cover certain costs if we're going to be doing this sort of thing." Um, so and and obviously there are other clubs around the area um, who have charged a lot more, ten, fifteen pounds for the same sort of thing. So I don't think it's a terrible deal. I, I, yeah, I think sometimes people just like a moan, don't they? And and some people like a moan more than others. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm not, do, do you do you think you do? You, would you begrudge paying a fiver for it? I don't know. I mean, I, I I'm, I'm maybe coming out of this from a completely different angle than other people. Would you pay a five to go and watch Wanderers? Um, yeah, I probably would. Um, you know, and you think as well that if you go to a, a pub in town, which you know uh, I will probably do because I live in Salford. Um, but uh, yeah, it may be free, but there's probably less staff on at the the bar. You you know, there's nowhere really nearby some place some pubs where you can actually get something to eat and you think well if it is in the fan zone of a hotel at least you can get something to eat as well mm-hmm. it'll be a a nicer atmosphere but you know that i'm guessing they will have a, a one or two security on as well um and you've you've also you're there with bolton fans as well which I was just is, gonna say uh, that i mean you go into you go into manchester there's the every chance you might bump into united fan uh, there is, yeah, which obviously no one wants to do. So, um, so yeah, I, you know, I think it's a good idea. A fiver, yeah, it, it helps pay for the staff. But uh, people enjoying the fan zone, people enjoy going to the hotel before the matches anyway. So, uh, so yeah, it's um, you know, if I lived closer to the ground, it's something I would definitely do. Hmm, interesting. I tell you what, I'm going to drag you back. We were talking about the stadium before, and we haven't mentioned the fact that the Rugby World Cup, of course, is coming up. Bolton have got rugby happening 
uh, and not as much as was once planned, but they have got some. They've had the snooker in as well in, in the past, and that's, that's kind of affected things. I wanted to ask you as a fan. I was speaking to Elias Kachunga yesterday about Huddersfield, and of course they shared the McAlpine, or whatever you call it now, John Smiths, with the rugby league team. Yeah. And he and he said, oh, you know, the, the pitch sometimes used to, to, you could tell it had been played on and, and I hope that doesn't happen here after the rugby league and all that kind of thing. Would you object to a team basing themselves at the stadium, let's call it? Um, I, that's an interesting one, really. I probably wouldn't like it. I, I don't mind rugby being there. I know Bolton have had semi-finals, yeah. of a challenge cup i know they've had um you know i think it is a it's a a great neutral a neutral option for uh rugby matches which um you know a grand final at old trafford that makes sense because it's got higher attendance but then you look at challenge cup uh world cup uh you know anything other than that i think yeah it, it makes it makes sense to have it at bolton but would i like a permanent uh team there i don't know probably not mm. It'd be interesting. I'm not asking that because of any kind of inside knowledge or any anything I'm trying to lead people into, but it just got me thinking the other day that, you know, there are rugby league teams around that could potentially be looking for stadia or looking for options. Um, you know, there are other football clubs potentially that could uh, be looking for options. So, yeah, it may be, it may be interesting. I'd, I'd love to... I, I think I'd like it. I think I'd like it from a purely local newspaper point of view, having another club to deal with and, and such like, but... Maybe I'm making work for myself. I don't know, but okay. Let's let's move on. Let's get back to the football. Yeah, on the pitch then. David's um, been speaking about Dapo. This has mm. come out today as we uh, well today, as in we release this, not as we record it. So a bit of insider knowledge, which I guess means nothing to anyone. Um, <laughs> Other than me. But uh, Ian Everett has said about Dapo, uh, he needs to work smarter, not hard, harder. And I think yeah. I think there's an element of this, of what I can see. I think, for me, watching Dapo, and I've mentioned this, I think he's trying too hard at the moment. He's trying too hard to score a goal or get that form back from last year. So Ian Everett's saying, don't bother with that, just work a bit smarter. It's It all came about for a conversation about uh, wing-back. Basically... Uh, Dapo Afflein's had 15 shots um, on goal this season. That's uh, six more than anybody else in the whole team. And considering he hasn't really played as much as as, as a lot of them, then that, that's quite some going. Um, Connor Bradley is actually second, weirdly enough. So you can see the kind of the spread of the squad uh, is is very different. Now Dapo, as having having had so many, I kind of addressed this with Ian Everton and said, "Well, wh- why is that the case? Then is he is he trying too hard?" And and Ian kind of expanded and, and talked about they're trying to get Dapo Afalayan to, to work more within the penalty box, more within the the sort of areas he's going to score goals. Um, because obviously we know he's had to adapt from playing as uh, off the left-hand side, where, let's be frank, he's much more dangerous for scoring goals. But the team potentially suffers slightly more as a result of playing that system. It's slightly more open. You can't. The wing backs are not quite as effective, uh, or the full backs in that system aren't quite as as effective. Um, so Dapo's had to take one on the chin there, and I think you know, fair play to him, credit to him. He, he has uh, he's done that, and he's not not complained. He's not always looked the most the most happy playing centrally, but he's he's done the job and he's been professional about it. And I think that there were signs towards the end of last season that he was he was improving as a number ten. Um, which I'm hoping to see, you know, in this kind of new role where he's playing up front. What they want to do is get him doing an Erling Haaland, basically, and just, you know, between the two posts, coming alive, get getting in, in that kind of zone where when you take a shot at goal, it's going to matter. Um, doing stuff from distance, the, the percentages go right down, of course they do. Uh, nobody in the world scores as many worldies uh, from outside the box um, as they do inside it. So I think that's what they're trying to do. That's what they're trying to get drill into him and, and, and make him a more effective, efficient type of player. And, you know, somewhere down the line, he might well get a chance doing what he, he does and coming off the left and, and doing that kind of thing again. I hope he does because I really enjoyed watching it. 
you know, there's this part of me that misses it, but I uh, I think the team is going well at the minute, and unfortunately, he's been the the unlucky one. Yeah, I think he has, and uh, it's it is a shame. It's it's well, it isn't, it isn't because we we're better than we were last season, and I think sometimes we relied on Dapo a bit too much last season, especially when Doyle wasn't being as prolific as what mm. we've uh, seen him before, but. Um, yeah, it is a shame that I, as I've said before, I think for me, Dapo needs that run of games. I, I don't think he's a player that can just come in, uh, you know, start one match for sixty minutes and then play a few coming off the bench. And I know, even though the manager has said that he he kind of picks the team for each game a couple of weeks in advance, you, you I think in recent weeks we've definitely seen that um, uh, he has been playing a team that's been doing well. You know, Thomason. Would Thomason have played three matches in a row if he was picking the team a few weeks before? I don't think he would. Mm. But he's been playing that good. He can't drop him. So I think Dapo, is, uh, along with a few others, you look at Morley as well, who hasn't played much in, in September. Uh, they'll be looking at October where we're playing all these matches and, and looking for a run of games. But I think that, that's what Dapo needs. And I think when he gets that, that's when he'll become... A bit more, a bit better, because I think in recent weeks as well, he's been giving the ball away quite a lot, and that's probably because he's a bit rusty. Mm, yeah, no, I think he'll be back. I think he'll be back. there's a few in that in that boat, like you say, Morley in that boat, Declan John in that boat, Kieran Sadlier, you know, per minute is is effectiveness has been great, but is he ever going to get a run in a position where he's going to be able to do that regularly? Who knows. Um, there are there are a few in that boat, but I think, as you say, there's plenty of opportunities coming up now in October and, and it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Right, OK, let's have another headline. Uh, yeah, well, this um, we, we've discussed before about the strikers and especially this season, the strikers haven't been as prolific as we'd hoped. But um, you've asked the question, do Bolton need a 20-goal-a-season striker when we've got potentially in Connor Bradley a 10-goal wing-back? Yeah, well, this this is the interesting thing, and it came about looking looking at the, the shots on goal and and, and discussions with with Ian Everett and, and Elias Kachunga. Basically, the way that Bolton are playing with this high press at the moment, the strikers are actually becoming defenders almost, so they're not getting mm. into those areas now. Whether that can be tweaked, I'd like to think so because obviously somebody like Dion Charles or Bud Farson or somebody like that would would be better, would be more efficient scoring goals. However, the way that that's happening is means that there's more chances for midfielders uh, and for the wing-backs. Uh, Jack Iredale and Connor Bradley, for example, have had more shots together than any combination of Bolton striker. So the wing-backs are becoming Bolton's chief goal threat, if you know what I mean. Uh, Bradley, we've seen, he's had a couple of chances that he's missed, big chances. It, it, it's, it's potentially problematic that defenders are becoming Bolton's attackers if you know what I mean it's a bit it's a bit topsy-turvy it's a little kind of um it's, it's it's a bit of an interesting one to get your head around but the positions they're winning the ball back in so high up the pitch that it behind the ball it's kind of all quite harem scarum so it's all about the timing of your run and, who, and who's making up the ground and who's got that sort of energy and so you can see why somebody like Iredale who's bombing forward and, and Bradley and, and people like Kyle Dempsey who, who, who are fantastic at getting from box to box and getting into those sort of areas. You can see why they're going to profit from that. Um, Dion Charles has got four goals so far, but quite famously, nobody else has, has managed to score barring Dapo the other day against uh, against Peterborough. So, you know, the, the strikers are struggling for chances at the moment, whereas, you know, your, your wing-backs are, are getting plenty of them. Yeah, it's um, it's it, it's again. I, I'm a traditionalist. I want our strikers to be all scoring twenty goals a season. I want that backer <laughs> chance to actually mean something. The, as as people know who listen to this podcast, Dion Charles is my favourite player. I love a goal scorer, and I, I would like him to, you know, to be scoring every week. And same with Dapo. But you know, I guess it really it doesn't actually matter where the goals come from as long as they come in and. Um, and you know we're winning games at the moment, so that's the main thing. Uh, but saying that, if we beat Lincoln three one again, uh, I think we beat them three one last year. But if we do it again, then uh, and we get Charles Bodvarsson and Dapo scoring, then I'll be over the moon. So I, I suggest this: we start a chant. Uh, twenty opposition half regains. Twenty opposition half regains. <laughs> Bakayoko. 
Um, and, and you know that might just that might kick off. You never know. It might it might catch on. It might do. I, I doubt it, but it might do. <laughs> it would be more statistically accurate if we did potentially. Yeah. Um, right. Okay. We've got anything else? Yeah. Now this is one uh, that it doesn't only just involve Bolton, but actually the rest of the the football league, and it's about uh, early kickoffs mm. potentially coming in over winter to combat the energy prices. Um, we're talking what matches that start about one o'clock, so they don't have mm. to use the, the floodlights and and stuff like that. Where do you stand on this? Yeah, well, to be honest, it's a bit of a moving story. So when I had the conversation earlier in the week, it was more of a, a just a think piece, and and I just kind of just threw it to Neil Hart and said, "What what do you think about it?" And Bolton, he explained, weren't really for it. They they're quite happy to stay at three o'clock. On a Saturday, we're talking about just Saturday games. I doubt we're going to go back to the three-day week where we're going to be playing on Wednesday lunch times or anything like that. We're talking about Saturdays. Obviously, the way that energy bills are at the moment, and I'm I'm sat here in a pitch dark kitchen with just just the light of my laptop at the moment because it's it's affecting me just as well as anybody. Um, but everybody's being affected. Energy is more expensive. Um, Bolton Wanderers have quite handily tied themselves into a. Uh, a long-term contract with their energy supplier so they're not being as affected as they might have done had they been on one of those kind of variable things like i am um so uh, you know well done neil hart um mm. but uh, they, they're they're happy to to put the floodlights on and to carry on regardless now obviously other clubs are not in that lucky boat and i think mansfield somebody suggested to me they they're going to trial it this weekend take their kickoff time back to one o'clock see if it affects things um now, of course, that opens up all sorts of issues. You've got travelling issues for supporters. Two hours earlier is not easy, especially the way the trains are at the moment. It's ridiculous. Um, two hours would also change the kind of traffic flows as well. Around Bolton, it would it would be nightmarish if you were to have fans kicking out whilst Middlebrook was still in full swing. Um, there's, there's just no way that would happen. I dare say there are plenty of other grounds that would have the same sort of things, especially in town centres where traffic volume is still high at that time of day. Um, so I don't think it's straightforward. I don't think, I mean, the, the EFL clubs are discussing it, but I think it's one of those coffee table think pieces where the AFL, EFL will probably say to some clubs, listen, if you're really struggling and it's a close proximity game that's not going to cause a massive knock-on effect, maybe, yes, you're okay to do that. But I don't think we're going to be going back to the days of the 70s um, where we're talking about early morning kickoffs to, uh, to to make the most of the daylight. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, it, you know, it's whatever it is. I think as well... Um, You've got to think of away fans as uh, you know exactly. as well. And, uh, I mean, if you look over over the next few months, but I don't think Bolton. I think we've kind of apart from that Portsmouth game, which will be midweek anyway. I think we've got our longer trips out of the way. Uh, I think in the next few um, few months, I think we we tend to have closer games anyway. So it might not affect us in terms of away games as much. But um, you know, if you if we have if we were playing Plymouth away and it's a one o'clock kickoff, then how is that going to affect things? That's going to be very annoying for people. So, um, so yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's what it is. I think over the next few months, we'll have the World Cup anyway. So, um, it's not like we'll be we'll be starved of football. A match will finish at three o'clock and chances are people can still go to the, the pub or the, the, work, the fan zone mm-hmm. and then watch another match uh, with a World Cup one if Bolton decides to go that way. But I noticed that Andy Holt said, that Accrington will be sticking to three o'clock kickoffs, and if, if it doesn't matter to Bolton, if it don't really save them any money, then yeah, they might as well stick at three o'clock. Yeah, I noticed that. I've just done a quick check whilst you were talking there. Mansfield have switched to one o'clock kickoff. Uh, Walsall are the away team there, so it's not a really long distance trip. You wouldn't say that that would, would seriously inconvenience away fans, but there are plenty there are plenty around I, I would hate it if, if For- and Forest Green actually switched it I think it was a Sky game wasn't it in the uh, the League mm-hmm. 2 season and they ended up going to an earlier kickoff, and that was a hell of a hell of a trip and it would have been really really difficult for away fans to get there in that sort of time so yeah I, I think there's lots and lots of reasons why it wouldn't work um, but uh, of course if uh, if the clubs are seriously uh, struggling, then there should be that option available to them if worse comes to the worst. Right, okay, that's that is as far as I'm going to go with the headlines because we have got a 
I was going to say bulging sack there, but I'm not going to say that. No, no, no I'm not going to say that. Should we just open up the post bag? <laughs> yeah. Is that Philip Moresh? Yes, we've got lots. We've got lots because last week we asked a couple of questions that have obviously caught people's imagination. Now I'm going to try and split them into two post bags and make sure we've got enough for next week as well. Um, unpopular opinions were particularly uh, prevalent. Um, I've had to do a bit of editing on a couple of them because they ran on a bit long and I wanted to try and pack them in a little bit. Um, so I'll, I'll rattle them off for you. you give, me, uh, give me your response to these four. Um, Number one is from Stuart from Dorset, who reckons Fabrice Mwamba is better remembered as a player than he was because of his heart incident. What do you think to that? Um, one? You know what? I, you know, I love, I love Fabrice. Um, I actually used to do a show with him at Bolton FM many years ago. He's a very nice guy. But I, I set up, to... you know. <laughs> Did you? Yeah, oh, did. great! Well, before before we knew each other, we were working uh, partly with each other. Um, but. Um, I've got a great, you know. I, I remember watching the the uh, Sky Sports when the day after it happened, and obviously people were going to the ground, and they actually interviewed someone, and he actually said, you know, we we love Fabrice because he gets the ball from thirty yards out. We, you know, we instead of shoot, everyone's like, don't shoot, and he ends up in Rose Ed, <laughs> and that's that's he was he was all legs. He was a bit like Carlton Palmer, do you know, like mm. he was all legs, mm. but he, he was a good player. Don't get me wrong. I mean, especially in league one, I'd love to have a player like Fabrice, but yeah, I, um, he's, I, I would actually agree with that. And that's no disrespect to Fabrice because he's, like I say, he's a top person. I know Fabrice well, and uh, he, he knows, he knows, he remember he remembers getting booed. I remember that. I know that for certain. I, I, um, Rich from Staleybridge uh, says, reckons I was on something with Gary Megson, by the way. He agrees with me, my point about Gary Megson last week. Um, but he also adds as his unpopular opinion that Keith Hill would have got us out of League Two if Wanderers would have stuck with him. Do you reckon that's true? Mm, I'd argue that he didn't manage to do that with Tramia and they were in a better position than than Bolton at the time. But, um, yeah, I, I, you know, obviously Keith Hill in some sectors is looked at in the same way as Gary Megson. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I've said before on this podcast, I didn't actually mind his post-match interviews. I thought they were a bit of character in them. And I guess for a journalist, you, you know, you definitely got a, a soundbite out of him every week. But, um, mm. You know, <laughs> I've I've said before, maybe the right manager at the wrong time. You know, it, it was all this this uh, made in Bolton kind of thing. Um, it would have been interesting for these you know sliding door moments. What would have happened if Kevin Nolan would have got the job instead? But um, yeah, it didn't work out. We ended up with Ian Everett, so I'm happy with that. So yeah, right, Manjur. Right, man, wrong time. The, the best time would have been a couple of years before I started the job. Would have been good, um, <laughs> if at all possible. Uh, Jeff, who doesn't say where he's from, parts unknown, as they'd say WWE. Um, so uh, Jeff from parts unknown says, and I quote, um, I've never seen what all the fuss was about with Ricardo Santos. And he also says he struggled in League One. Henry, over to you. Well, we've we've chatted about this before, haven't we? There's some people that really don't rate Santos. My, my brother doesn't rate him at all, and uh, he's not rated him since League League Two. Whereas I think he's, um, I think for me, Santos is the player that we um, we'd struggle to replace. I think every other player we'd we'd replace in some way. I think Santos is quite a unique player, but um, yeah, there's some people that just don't don't get it and don't like him. Um, but no, I would disagree with that because I, uh, you know, I, I like him. I think he's one of the better centre halves in in this league. Do you think that football fans sometimes make their mind up on a player and then find it very, very difficult to change that perception or that mind? I, I, I call it the Alex Baptiste syndrome. 
The, mm. the people obviously covered Alex Baptiste originally at Bolton, and you know, let's let's be frank, he, he was going through a few things. He had a mare at the end of it, finished really badly. So when they re-signed Alex Baptiste, obviously everybody was like, "Oh my word, that's a brave move." And there were a few people just was not having it at all, no matter how well he played. They were just not having it at all. They they always kind of thought back to that original thing. With Santos, of course, he had that kind of very wobbly start, didn't he? Maybe two or three weeks where we were thinking, crikey, this is not working at all. Obviously, he improved. Um, but do you think people struggle to let go of that? Yeah, I think they do. I think, for me, it would be the Liam Feeney uh, ah, you know, analogy. Because yeah. I think Liam Feeney was actually one of our highest assists that in the seasons that he was with us, or what I remember anyway, I might be wrong in that, but yeah, he just no one liked him <laughs> to be honest, to be blunt. Um, but uh, yeah, I think yeah, I think there is something in that. I think um, you know, I think it it does depend on um, on you know how how you start, and uh, there are some players that start really really well and always get that bit of grace with. Um, you know, like Darren Prattley was another one that just didn't click with some some members of the fan base. Oh, yeah, that reminds me of a, a classic. Me and me and Jack Dearden were coming out of the train station in I think it was Wimbledon. I think it was Wimbledon. Um, so it would have been the first time we went to the old Kings Meadow ground at Wimbledon in League One days, and uh, a minibus of Bolton fans pulled up, and one of the guys comes jumping out. He goes, "Isles, Isles." When are you going to tell the truth about Prattley? And I'm like, what do you mean the truth about Prattley? And he just went, he's crap! <laughs> yeah, I need a little bit more to hang the story on, unfortunately, my friend. Um, but yeah, I mean, there were definitely, yeah, there's definitely, I've told Pratt's that as well. By the way, Darren Prattley, part of the Leighton Orient side that is breaking mm. records at the minute in League Two. Um, it's still going, still going. Yeah. If you're listening, Pratt's, hello, get in touch. Um, what, what, what a guy, what a guy. Oh, yeah. dear. Um, right, okay, let's, let's get on. Uh, a fourth uh, unpopular, fourth and final unpopular opinion. If you've not had yours uh, read out, then I have got it in store. Um, Gary from Edgerton says, everyone looks back with rose-tinted specks at Burnham Park, but all anyone used to do was moan about the state of the place. It was falling mm. apart. He also agrees that Bruce Roerick's team did, not, uh, did also used to get grief. Burnham Park, do we look back with too much rose tinted specs? Um well I mean I I was I only went to Burnham Park for that last season, which was our best season. <laughs> you know, I started it went downhill from there, I've got to admit. Um but um so I've you know, I've I've had twenty five seasons at one stage and one at the other, so I, I know I'm I'm happy at this stadium. But yeah, I know a few people are you know, my dad um he says it. He says, you know, as, as great as Burnham was, and some people look at the atmosphere was better and whatever. Actually, for some, you know, there were some of the seasons, especially when we we're in Division Four, that Bolton's average attendance was like five thousand. Mm, mm. Whereas we've never been even come close to that at, uh, you know, at the the Reebok Macron Uniball. Um, <laughs> Also, would we have attracted the likes of a Cotcher and Jockey after Burnham Park? We probably wouldn't. So, uh, yeah, I think sometimes do do people look more at the say say the the Reoc years didn't happen and Bolton had moved to that new stadium. I know you could argue, well, we probably wouldn't have if the Reoc years didn't happen and we we're still in Division Three or or Division Two. But um, you know, would would people have looked on it? less favourably if mm. they didn't have that last few years of success. Who knows? Mm. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to know whether or not there was ever an option to redevelop at Burnden. Stay, stay with it, right? In the town centre, because I think regardless of what facilities they had at Burnden, and, and I, I went there as a youngster myself, I remember it being dank, and I didn't, you know, I hadn't been to too many football grounds at that point in time, and I still felt it was, it was quite... Mm you know, dark and brooding and it was always raining and it was just quite a messy kind of concretey, bedraggled type of place. Um, now, that might be your bag. I don't know. I know that away, away fans used to complain, of course, because of the whole big supermarket thing and you could barely see the pitch. Um, so, yeah, there was all sorts of problems. But I wonder, 
to what degree they looked at the place and thought, oh, well, you know, if we moved out for 12 months, could we redo this? It was pending quite a bit by housing, I suppose. But uh, yeah, it would have been interesting. Maybe maybe somebody with better memories can, can fill me in on that one. Um, do keep those unpopular opinions coming in. I don't necessarily agree with them, of course, but they do make a nice, uh, nice uh, talking point. Um, so we've got a couple of what-ifs now. This is a bumper post bag. Um, Craig G says, uh, Dear M&H, uh, my biggest what-if. What if we had a different referee on the night of the infamous Ipswich game? What if we had Uriah Rennie or any other decent referee instead of Barry Knight? Would we have gone on to win promotion at Wembley? Would we have signed the players we did later on in Sam's Ray, Big Sam's reign? Uh, personally, I'm glad we went up by beating Preston at Cardiff because that's still my favourite all-time game. We absolutely battered them. What do you reckon? Mm. Um, well, we wouldn't have had a, a classic feature on the buff, would we? <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't even know what rhymes with Uriah, any. Dia <laughs> uh, Uriah, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> um, but uh, that's an interesting one because Ipswich beat Barnsley, didn't they? So mm. um, would we have beaten Barnsley? I think, I mean, my memory might not be right, but I think we we drew twice to Barnsley that year. So it would have been perhaps a close game. We might have lost to Barnsley, so it wouldn't have mattered. Um, I, I do know that Big Sam was in the Sky Studio that day, so he, he definitely wouldn't have been. That would have changed. Um, <laughs> Imagine but, if he's turned up. I'm watching it from here, lads. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> but that's an, it is an interesting one because um, Ipswich went on and, and got into Europe, didn't they? So mm. maybe we would have had that season and we would have been in Europe before our time. But well, they, they had to sell it. a lot of players, didn't they? That, that was that was the big off, offshoot of, you know. Big Sam's point was you nearly killed the club because we had to almost start again the following year, sell mm. people like Good Johnson and Jensen and people like that, and, and you know it all became a, a bit of a a bit of a mess for for a while. Um, I know they, they had to kind of do it a different way, didn't they, to get promotion that, uh, against Preston in the end. Um, so maybe maybe they have a, a stronger squad the next season, didn't have to sell, and, and you know maybe go up a different way. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? But I would say that Good Johnson going to Chelsea, he was probably going to go anyway. Uh, but then, yeah, the likes of Jensen probably would have stuck around. Um, and but yeah, it's it, it's it's a, an interesting wife. But I guess it's not as if you know we spent you spent years in the doldrums. In fact, Ipswich have done. You know, they've, they've spent two years in the Premier League and never went back. Mm. So would, would I, I'm I'm with I'm with him. You know, I'd rather have us beating Preston. Having ten years in the Premier League with Euro a couple of European seasons than doing what Ipswich did. Mm, interesting. Uh, Ross H brings us our second and final what if, dear Mark and Henry. I heard Mark talking about Dougie Freeman on a recent podcast and wondered what would have happened if he'd have signed the players he wanted in that final season. Uh, Lucas Jukovic and Craig Dawson would have been huge assets, and even if the financial situation at the club was heading south, they would have been sellable. People forget that letting the squad wither on the vine as they did for so long meant that Bolton could not do a Wigan and sell players to keep the bills paid. That was poor mm. management, which happened long before he who shall not be named turned up, which is a very good point. Yeah, very good point. And uh, that is, you look at what we're trying to do now and hopefully we're never in the situation we were, we were, we were in. But at least if anything did happen, uh, we have got assets that we can sell and, and make money from, whereas then, yeah, he's right, we didn't. And Dawson uh, and Jukovic probably would have been two that could have been sold um, and maybe would have given us a bit of excitement because I think the years after that were, were just dreadful until that League One season. Mm, dead right. OK, um, get well soon to Howard, by the way, who has sent in an email about barrel-chested players, which I'm going to save for next week now. Um, but uh, Howard's been poorly. I hope he's all right. Uh, friend of the show. Um, so some really interesting stuff there. If you've got an email for us to discuss, here is how to get in touch. So you want to bring something up on the buff? Email Mark and Henry on thebuffmail at gmail.com. That's T-H-E-B-U-F-F-M-A-I-L all one word at gmail.com and sorry to the male escort who probably getting some unsolicited Bolton Wanderers correspondence from the people who spell that incorrectly okay a bit of buff FPL time it's time for the buff 
resuming on the fancy football this week, Henry. Are you uh, are you confident? Yeah, the baby steps are going to turn into mammoth strides this weekend. Yeah, um, you're two hundred twentieth. I am one hundred fortieth. You are. Uh, 57 points behind me now and so yeah uh, I mean neither of us are doing well neither of us can really uh, with hand on heart uh, talk with any sort of authority on fantasy football at this minute in time so um, well, let's just mention the three that can at the moment the top three uh, the Max Sefton Matt Wilk and Martin Baker you three are at the top leading the way at the moment it's quite tight up there so Going to be interesting, see how that one goes. And there should be another um, another buff mug going out to somebody at the end of that month as well. So, um, yeah, let's keep our eye on that table. Um, but football is back this weekend. It's no more international breaks. We've got two games to talk about. Let's have a bit of prediction time. Pass us my crystal ball. What's happening next week? Prediction time. Wanderers host Lincoln City on Saturday and then go to God's Country on Tuesday night a rescheduled game at Cheltenham um, I'm, unfortunately I'm not staying down there so I can stay at Forest Green so it'll be there and back and there and back but let's talk about let's talk about Lincoln let's talk about a team do you do you go with the team that finished against Peterborough or is there any is there any scenario where that gets changed uh, yeah I think um I think as time's passed, I know he said this week actually that the the training was very intense. So whether a few players have played themselves back into contention with that, I don't know. Um, I think it's a great chance to to kind of I don't want to say start afresh. I don't think we need to, but there's been a, a, a long enough gap where if he made four or five changes and brought the likes of Morley in and, and Dapo, I don't think anyone's going to look necessarily and go that's wrong. So maybe it is a chance for those players that have been on the bench to come back in. Um, with Kachunga being put up for press, maybe Kachunga's going to be playing. Um, I don't know how that works. <laughs> oh, don't don't credit uh, Pete and Luke and, and the team with any sort of inside knowledge on selection. <laughs> Just look at the programme and inevitably whoever is on the front of the programme will not be in the team that week, guaranteed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think the the options we've got available now, you know, I, I don't think there's going to be a, a surprise. I'd, um, you know, especially with Thomason playing like he is. Mm. Will Thomason still be in the team? He's definitely deserved it, but whether he wants to bring him out and and go with another option, I don't know. But he's, he also pointed out this week and noticed that uh, Lincoln kind of play in a similar way to Bolton, maybe, you know, with a the expansive play, wing-back play, so mm. maybe that'll affect his, his reasoning. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't think we'll be in for as much of a battle against Lincoln as we were against Peterborough, so maybe we'll throw the likes of, you know, our, our flair players in. Yeah, I think they're more 4-3-3 more three, three, three than they are kind of 3-4-1-2 or whatever Bolton do, but um, yeah, they're scoring lots of goals, aren't they, Lincoln? So it's going to be uh, I think it's going to be the sort of game that suits Bolton. I'll be honest; they, they seem to be people playing kind of passing, expansive, attacking football. Bolton tend to like that sort of game, and, and, and you'd back Bolton to score goals against anybody at home. Full stop. I think, and uh, Lincoln seem to be getting it a bit a bit better now. They've they've struggled. Uh, they struggled at the start of the season, uh, but I think they're starting to get there now with uh, with Mark Kennedy. I know they've got some very good attacking options uh, they, they've got they, again they're another team that kind of spread the goals around quite a bit um, recently so uh, yeah it'd be I, I I think he will go with what he had against Peterborough personally I think Bod Varson's the only one that maybe he is he's knocking on the door now for, for being fit because as we've said before on the podcast if he is fit I think he's in the team because he's, he's got the most pedigree of any of the strikers going um, him and Charles, potentially. I wouldn't mess with too much else. I think it's been it's been going too too well. Um, the famous last words, because of course that means there'll be about eight changes. Uh, but there's Cheltenham, of course, on the horizon. Cheltenham's going to be a, a much different game, a more direct game. So maybe you can afford to be a little bit more expansive and throw your attacking players in that are not going to play against Cheltenham, knowing that three days later, the Bodvarsons and the, the Dempseys and such like are going to go in and, and do their business at Cheltenham. 
Yeah. Um, I, first of all, I'm, I'm gutted because I, I can't go to... I'm actually going to the, the stadium after we speak to get my refund on my tickets because I can't go to Cheltenham anymore, which is a shame. No. But, um, yeah, I think I think maybe you'll look at Cheltenham and Forest Green as similar matches. I know Forest Green aren't playing very well and, you know, if you look at what Exeter did last week, in yeah. theory, we should be looking at doing something similar. So, um, you know, but it's that tight ground. So maybe what he'll... The expansive play won't quite be able to be played. Maybe it'll go a bit more direct. But, um, you know, I think when you look at the three matches on paper, if, if we can go and we we beat Forest Green the last time we were there and they were in better form um, and we've improved since then. Cheltenham uh, hit and miss, but we went and won last year. Uh, and Lincoln, obviously, the same. So if we can go and get nine points, it really will put us you know, right up there and uh, going into that Barnsley game. Yeah, the other thing that I didn't really think about when I was just assessing that there is, of course, they've had players out there on, on international break. So, Dion Chattles, Colin Bradley, assuming that he is going to be A-OK. Um, Traff, I would imagine Trafford would be a, a shoe in anyway, but, mm. you know, Bakioko. I doubt we'll get risk this weekend because he's had a lot of travelling to do coming back from Sierra Leone. So you'd imagine he would be a, a shoe in for the um, for the for the Cheltenham game. Maybe you know you go with Bodfast and Backer up front. You know the real kind of direct kind of route, and then that leaves Charles and Affalion to have a go against Lincoln. Maybe, um, but mm. I'd, yeah, I, I'd be interested. I'd, I'd be interested to see. It's going to be an interesting lineup because, as you mentioned. Uh, Ian Ever really was praising the way they trained. So clearly they've come back with the, the bit between the teeth. By all accounts, a lot of the lads went away, you know, with each other and with families and such like, almost as a, you know, a joint holiday for a few days last weekend. Um, so the, the spirit there is 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 really, really high at the moment, um, which is great to hear. And uh, yeah, I think it's it's looking good. I don't, I, I, it's, it's a foreign, it's a foreign feeling to me, this. You know when things are looking good, you're always you're always looking for the the next thing that can go wrong. I suppose. <laughs> yeah, especially first half of the season, we're not used to this. Yeah. It's normally after after Christmas where we we go on a run. But um, yeah, it's there's I don't think there's anything to moan about. It's probably why people are moaning about them charging a fiver for this World Cup fan pack because uh, <laughs> things are things are looking good at the moment. But um, you know, you, I guess you've got to keep on going, and Ian Ebert knows that. And it's a big month. If we can go, if he's setting targets month by month, he wanted to be in the top ten for September. We've done that. I think realistically, we should be looking at. Um, I, I think we could be looking at being in the top, definitely top six, but maybe the top four at yeah. the end of October, and then that will really push us on. Then I think it was two thousand and six, the last time they had this many points. I think they had one more point. So Premier League days, and I think they won about six or seven of their opening games in the Premier League, and beat you know Liverpool and and beat uh, Tottenham and, and and teams like that. I think back in the big Sam days, so that, they were the halcyon days of the Premier League. Of course, two thousand six seven, but it all kind of tailed off after that. So, so seven league games in October. What are you targeting points wise? How many do you think they'll get? Twenty one. No. Uh... <laughs> Sorry, I picked myself off the floor. Um... Um, I think, um, I don't know, if you look at so seven games, I think, you know, I think if we won, I'd say, you know, if we won four and drew three, it's 15 points, then that puts us on past 30 going into November. I think that's, you know, because as well, I noticed if we win this weekend, I know Ian Ever always aims for having... Um, Twice as many points. Yeah, two points a game. Yeah. yeah, two points a game. Yeah, and we get to twenty in in ten games this weekend if we win. So mm. we're on course for that. So if we're going to be on uh, what sixteen, um, sixteen games at the end of the month, if we, yeah, aim for thirty-two points, which would be fifteen. Okay, right. Shall we wrap this up, Henry? Because I'm going to get myself in trouble otherwise. Uh, yeah. So two games. Hopefully by this week. Sorry, this time next week, Friday next week, we should be uh, looking ahead to Forest Green. And uh, who have they got on the Tuesday night after Forest Green? I'm forgetting now. Um, it's the Barnsley game, isn't it? After that. So um, it's not, the, yeah. they haven't got a Tuesday game. It's the only week they haven't got the Tuesday game in uh, October. Uh, so just Forest Green. Um, but uh, yeah, 
two wins under her belt. Sunshine and uh, lollipops. Guarantee it, mate. Guarantee it. Vegan lollipops. Vegan lollipops, of course. Right, until that point in time, thank you very much for listening. I've been Mark, quivering wreck by the end of October Isles. And I've been Henry, looking on the map where the places like Luton, Millwall, <laughs> and Hull are, Hewitt. Wow, you really picked some real gems out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now this, is, this has been the slightly apathetic buff. <laughs>